Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Digging Deeper here with my buddy, Jean Glaude. Hello there. Yes, and just ready to dive in and dig a little bit. Dig. Dig. So what you got for us today? Well, I actually want to talk about what you had for us yesterday. Awesome. What a concept, right? Yeah. Digging yep. deeper, digging deeper <laughs> into the message. But first thing first, we started something new. Yeah. Like new to Rice City Church, not just like, oh, a new series, but like something we haven't done before Yep. called Advent. Absolutely. What, real quick, primer, what is Advent? Why are we doing it? I know you talked about it in your message, but just for the context of the conversation we're about to have right now. Yeah. So Advent is, um, it's, it's a celebration of the expectancy, the anticipation that we have as we start to get excited and look forward to the ultimate celebration of Christ's coming on Christmas Day. That's what we celebrate then. Yeah. And the word Advent actually means coming or arrival. That's actually mm. what it means. And so... That's what the celebration of Advent is, and it's something that's been present in Christendom for pretty much as long as we can remember. The, the I looked it up. Um, the first recording of it was in 633 AD, but there wasn't really much hmm. opportunities to actually record anything before that. That's wild. And so I kind of help people understand sometimes if they are familiar with any type of traditional liturgy, um, kind of how Lent is a reflective lead up to Easter. So Advent is it can serve as a reflective lead up towards Christmas for us. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I really like the liturgical aspects of like looking back and being like, wow, the church did this for literally 1500 years and yep. we need to take part of it. Um, I think the problem is a lot of that becomes like religified. If religified. Religified. Yeah. Wow. Making if, up words If wood here becomes petrified, deeper. then these <laughs> liturgies become legitified or, or religified. That's, I, I, get um, that. I get that. But, uh, so there's a danger there where you lose the importance of why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, but, can you tell me a time where you had something you were not looking forward to coming on the horizon and the anticipation of that suffering or that thing you weren't looking for oh, man. actually was worse than the actual event? Oh man, pretty much every time I've ever had to get a shot. Okay. So <laughs> here's, here's a confession for me, actually. Um, I am such a baby when it comes to needles. Like, like if I have to get my blood taken, I would rather you cut me with a sword and take <laughs> it that way than poke me with a needle. Wow. Like I'm terrified of needles. Yeah. And so every time that I have to get a shot or get my blood drawn, anything like that, I just, I, I turn into... I turn into a, a, a big wimp, oh, you know, okay. it's, it's, yeah. it's on a pretty yeah. sight. So, but every time I get there and then they do it, I'm like, okay, that wasn't really bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just psyched me up right. inside of my head for right. whatever reason. I actually, when I was younger, I hated shots. Um, obviously I don't care about needles now considering I have multiple oh, marks of needles. Right, right. Um, but when I was younger, I hated them. And there was a time that I had to get shots for school or something. And as soon as I went in the room and they put me on the like, desk or whatever the the reclining yep, thing yep. to lay down on um i just got up and i like dipped out of the room like sprinted out sprinted into the waiting room running around nurses and doctors are chasing me down trying to get me they finally capture me put me in and they have to have one person on each hand and one person on each leg so i can get the shot like i don't know why but i hated them as kids and when i was like in high school or maybe just graduated high school i had to draw blood or something and I was telling the person who was doing it, I'm like, I just want to let you know, like, I hate, I think I hate needles. Yep. I hate the process, all of it. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, I'm telling them and they go, well, we're done. I'm like, what? And you're like, oh, and they like did it. And then like ever know. since then I was like, oh, I don't, 
and, and then you're they okay. don't scare me anymore. Yeah, I, I it was like a legitimate moment where I told them I'm afraid of them, and they go, "That's really interesting because we're actually done. We're already done." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh," and it brought a realization yeah, like, of for the future where right. you're kind of like, "I remember." And now I'm not it wasn't as big of a yeah. deal. I think on a more serious note, um, times of having to confront someone else. Those are always really a lot of like, or when I know yeah. that I'm going to be confronted. Absolutely. Um, whenever there's a, a a conversation that's coming up that I know is a difficult conversation or a crucial conversation, it can be something that I get really anxious about. I don't know if anyone else is like me, but I will actually role play in my head. Oh yeah. Um, I may or may not have been caught before um, talking out loud, role playing in my car <laughs> the <laughs> conversation before I've gotten to it, and uh, there's even been a time when I was doing something kind of like this, and I looked in the river mirror and realized one of my kids were in the car and they looked at me like I was a crazy person. But, um, and so definitely that's, that's definitely something that will create sometimes fear that becomes unjustified. Um, when I get to the conversation, because right. oftentimes you realize that at least when you're talking to the people of God, there's a lot more grace that's yeah. present that you don't expect all the time. Yeah. Especially when you build it up in your flesh and the anxiety that you might have about something mm-hmm. when you finally get there, you realize that people are actually a lot more receptive and and gentle and yeah. gracious when you yeah. get to those moments. I don't want this to be story time by any means. Okay. I have another story based on what you're talking about. Okay. And um, it was when I was an intern at another church and they had me, I was in charge of loading up the cargo van, transporting it, doing the event, transporting the cargo van and bring it back. And I had like 10 tables lined up on top of each other in the back of the van and I hit the brakes and the tables went sliding and one of them hit me in the back of the head and then went and cracked the windshield. Oh my goodness. And I was so afraid of telling them what had happened that I didn't tell them. And I just like ghosted people for like days and they're like, what is going on? What is happening? And they wanted to know what happened to the windshield. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) and they had to unload the cargo van for me. Because I was so like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint someone. And it was such a fear. Mm. And then when I finally like mustered up the courage and confronted and said something about it, they're like, we just wanted to make sure you were okay. We yeah. saw what had happened. Yeah, people like, are more gracious than yeah. we think. So we build this anticipation way more worse than it actually is. In the flip side, I see Advent as the opposite where we have this joyous occasion yeah, and we get to look forward to this joy that we're about to celebrate. And what it does is it like, and it uh, uh, amplifies the joy, just like fearing suffering amplifies the suffering, yeah. like expecting joy amplifies the joy that we get to experience. So it's not just a single day during Christmas where we go, Oh, this was awesome. Now we move on. We have this whole season of Absolutely. anticipation and excitement. Absolutely. And I love that we're doing this because it does kind of feel like it's bringing in not just the day, the the American holiday Christmas, but like the hope of Jesus Christ coming into our world. Um, I really feel like it like amplifies that. Well, and I had a great conversation because someone came up afterwards actually and asked about, um, they had, had kind of had some Catholic roots. And so the idea of Advent was pretty much cemented for them as right. that's a Catholic thing. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing that? Um, but the whole idea was uh, of our conversation kind of went towards how we kind of go through extremes when it comes to traditional liturgy. Where oftentimes we can go to the point where we're really traditional, we're really liturgical, and we're really like kind of getting to the religious system of it. And then we can miss out on the true meaning because we're so involved in the methodology, the systems, the symbols, the tradition of it all. But then we can also, I think, sometimes overcorrect and then kind of really, especially in like kind of non-denominational 
evangelical Christianity today, a lot of times it's kind of like we don't we're a non-traditional church, yeah. right? Yeah. We have a traditional service and then we have a contemporary one, right? right? That's how it started. Right. And now it's like all services are modern. And so we'll yeah. we'll describe our churches we're modern and we're contemporary. We're, we're non-traditional. And so we almost kind of do away with a lot of those things. But there's richness. Yeah. And I think Advent specifically, it really helps us understand not just the story of Christmas. I think that a lot of us have heard the story of Christmas and it's just become a story. And the truth is, is that it's not just a story. There are treasures that are found throughout the story of God coming and meeting with people to rescue them and coming in, in the form of a baby, man. What what humility and what yeah. unexpected humility that, that Jesus would show up in a humble vessel, in a humble place to provide real hope for people. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And so we were able, um, as we look at Advent and kind of celebrate through that and actually worship through that as a season, like you're saying, not just as a moment yeah. of joy, but a season of preparing for and toward a moment that we get to celebrate additionally and worship additionally. But then we get to really find the treasures that's found in the Christmas story, this idea of hope and faith and mm -hmm. joy and yeah. peace. And there's so much more, but the story of God coming to us because he so loved us and meeting with us where we're at, even in the humble places, I, there is there is a wealth of richness in that. And, and then leaning into that kind of the liturgical tradition of Advent that's been prepared for us right. from generation to generation to generation, it helps us, I think, unlock an opportunity to really peer into that, consider it, meditate on that, and then worship in it. Yeah. There's a um, <clears throat> like old rabbis and it's not, it's an ex example that's been used a lot, but um, you get so used to looking at one thing in a specific light, right? A specific way. And mm -hmm. we have this, uh, even like contemporary Christianity has become liturgicized um, or whatever the word, religified. Man, man you are um, making up words like crazy today. Okay? Yeah. And you know, English is flexible, so you can kind of do that. However you want to use a justification. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, even like contemporary church, the way churches do contemporary church is becoming a form of church. You know what I mean? Like, and so the fact that we're kind of looking a little more at like, what's the ancient path? Like what's the rhythms that the early churches used? Um, to kind of like dictate how we want to move forward, there are people who are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you're breaking with our tradition of not doing that. Mm. So like everything becomes yeah. so traditionalized so quick. Um, the first week that we talked about, this one was about hope. That's right. Does Advent always start with hope? Or I is it kind of loose? You know what? I mean, there's different ways of observing Advent. So um, if you look at a traditional sense, there's it's not always... Um, hope that it starts with. Sometimes they just go through um, the Christmas story. And mm -hmm. so sometimes you'll start with, you know, John the Baptist or something yeah. like that. And, and you'll start there and you talk about the, the the messenger that, you know, started kind of proclaiming that the Messiah is coming or something like that. Sometimes you start with prophecy, which is the prophecy candle of hope. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that it's, um, again, you can be so rigid in tradition that yeah. you get stuck in one way, or you can say, this is, this is an opportunity for us to yeah. peer into something that's been used throughout tradition and see what God might have for us in it today. Yeah. What is hope in context of Advent? What does that mean? What is it? What is hope in context of Advent? Yeah, or just in general. Like what like when we're talking about hope, we've got this word that can mean so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. What is hope in the Christian context and also within this context of Advent? I mean, the textbook definition is the firm 
confident expectation of good that is coming despite the circumstances because he who promised is faithful. And so Hebrews 10, 23, it says, so we hold unswervingly to the hope that we've confessed knowing that he who promised is faithful. In the context of Advent, as we're looking towards the coming of Christ, it's this idea that we're looking toward one, the celebration that God is faithful to provide a Messiah, a savior, a rescuer, a deliverer, not just then, but also today. Mm-hmm. Because right now in my life and right now in your life, and if you're listening right now in your life, there are situations, circumstances, relationships where I need a deliverer. Mm-hmm. I need a rescuer. There's, there's sin that I'm dealing with that I need a savior for. Mm-hmm. And so it's God's faithfulness that's there. And that brings hope. And so we can hold unswervingly to the hope that we confess because God is faithful. And the Christmas story reminds us that God was faithful from generation to generation to generation. And God is faithful today. You can also look towards the faithfulness that Jesus is coming back again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not just his one advent. There's another advent that's coming. And right. Jesus is going to come and he's going to restore and he's going to set all things right again and establish his kingdom forevermore. Mm-hmm. And there is hope in that as we look at the de, the destruction and, and all the different wayward movements of our culture and our world around us and how it seems like it gets more and more difficult and more and more broken, we can hold fast to hope knowing that Jesus, there's an advent that's coming again, and he's made all things right before, and he's made all things right in the beginning. He keeps on making things right, and he's going to do it again. What is, um, you could have gone the direction of, I feel like hope typically takes this, one second, (coughs) sorry, hope takes this normally turn within the advent of like, hey, here are all the prophecies that have happened. And here's how the early church or the the Jewish nation at the time hoped for their Messiah to come. Um, But we didn't kind of go that way. We went the Hebrews route. Um, And you said that was kind of a personal direction you were taking it. Um, Why did you do that? Yeah. And two, um, where in your life was there or is there a time when you have had to cling on to hope um, despite your circumstances or in spite of your circumstances? So to answer your first part of your question, so I wanted to, to preach on Isaiah 9, 6, right? Mm-hmm. For unto us a child is given, and right. a son is born, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and we'll just call him Wonderful Counselor. Um, and it kind of goes through all this mighty God, yeah. uh, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, right? Different order, sorry. Everlasting <laughs> Father, Prince of Peace. But, uh, and so, you know, I kind of wanted to go through that and and. I actually have a message like with some bones to it and everything like that. And I was excited about it. Yeah. And I just felt like God tell me, and, and it's not like he spoke from the heavens. Right. I just felt led to Hebrews six nineteen, mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not like I had just read it or anything like that. I just felt drawn to it for some reason. And I felt like God was, was impressing on my heart that that's what he wanted me to dig into. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wanted me to talk on. Yeah. And so, you know, I had a conversation of my own with God where I was like, this is uncomfortable. This is, yeah. this is kind of deep. <laughs> you yeah. know, this is, yeah. this is, this is, uh, this requires a little more teachy explanations right. for some of these things. And, and, and man, I, I was like, let me just, stick to the Christmas story over here because there's this whole, I mean, it's very clear in Isaiah nine, six, right? For unto us, a child is born and a son is given, you know, like, Oh man, that points to Jesus and it's coming and it's in the prophecy in Isaiah. And, 
And then it gives us this beautiful description of these four kind of characters that are coming out of that, right? And and how much do we need a wonderful counselor in the middle of um, all of our confusion? And we need the wisdom and the clarity that a counselor brings. And how much do we need a mighty God mm-hmm. in the middle of our circumstances where it looks like <laughs> there's so many other strong forces that play in the world that are pushing and pulling in every direction? Like, that's yeah. what I wanted to speak on. And right. God was like, no, 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 Hebrews 619. And so we have this anchor mm-hmm. uh, or we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Yeah. Um, firm and secure, right? And then and, and kind of going through what that looks like and what hope as an anchor looks like in that sense. And, and I just felt led by God to to teach on that, to talk through that yeah. instead. And so that's where I arrived at it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was um it was obedience rather than preference. Hmm. And um and I wrestled with that. Yeah. I wrestled with it a little bit. And there was even a moment in this week um where I I started to look back at Isaiah nine six, and I was kind of like, "Well, maybe I should just, maybe I should just go back and mm-hmm. just do that instead." And I just felt like, as I as I sat there and, and looked at the scripture, I started to think to myself, "If I do this, I feel like maybe I might be being disobedient." God has called me to talk on this, and so, um, and so I decided, let's be obedient, and I right. and I talked on Hebrews six nineteen. The second part of your question: Has there been a time when I needed to cling to hope? Um, Yes. Despite or in spite of your circumstances. Despite or in spite of my circumstances. Yeah. yeah. You know what? There is, um, I've shared this before, but there was a substantially difficult year in my life, 2004, um, where I faced the death of my father and then my roommate um, died tragically um, from a drug overdose and um, who's my roommate in the dorms and everything. Mm-hmm. And and it was like one thing after another. There's there a whole bunch of things that happened and looking at my circumstances in that moment, it made me want to just kind of give up. It, it made me want to run away. And oftentimes I did. Um, Mount Soledad became, um, if you've ever been to Mount Soledad, it became kind of my respite. And there was a season when I would drive up that mountain every single day. And um, and you might think, oh, well, you're around people, kind of, you're on the monument. No, I would go literally... I'm sure I looked like a crazy person, but I would start start marching down the the hill until I found a spot. There was actually, I found this like random spot that was like almost like a little, it had a bush that had a, uh, a clearing underneath it. Mm-hmm. And I would just literally sit there and just stare out over the, the city. Mm-hmm. And that was my escape because mm-hmm. I was in despair because I looked at my circumstances and I... It felt like too much was stacked up against me. Right. Um, there was a lot of grief. There was a lot of blaming myself. Um, a lot of insecurity started to bloom from that and and this feeling of failure. I felt like I failed my roommate because he wasn't a Christian and he died of a drug overdose. And here I am. I'm supposed to be someone that would be a light. And obviously my light was not effective for him. And so I started to blame myself for his death. And, mm-hmm. and, and subsequently, maybe perhaps... I, I don't know what God has done, but yeah. his eternity and, um, and, and I just felt like my circumstances provided no way out. And in those moments, in that random little clearing underneath that bush, God met me over and over again. And, and I don't want to make it sound like it was, it was easy or it was, uh, like without its mess because mm-hmm. it was messed up yeah. and I was messed up. Uh, you know, I, I went through a season where I did a lot of like, just, weird things. Mm -hmm. I was mentally having a hard time to be honest and emotionally really kind of a mess. Um, but God met me over and over and over again. And after that I decided, you know what, I'm going to start pursuing God. 
And I decided I'm either going to go um, and do a discipleship training school with YWAM, mm-hmm. or I'm going to go and join this ministry school that was local. And I decided, let's go to this ministry school. I went and explored it. Mm-hmm. And it really started a pathway on what would land me in vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. And did that, so that season of clinging onto hope has mm-hmm. had a direct impact on your life today. Absolutely. Because yeah. I, it was a fight. And yeah. I, that's what, that's what I think that maybe we don't always talk about, mm. about how hope isn't something that is like a Hallmark movie experience. Yeah. It's something you have to fight for Yeah, because hope is something that I guarantee you your life, your flesh and the devil will always want to steal. Yeah. Right. The, the Bible says that the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. And one thing that he will always look to steal from you is your hope, namely your hope in Jesus Christ that offers a firm and secure anchor to wherever you're at mm-hmm. and, and, and to his presence wherever you're at rather. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, for me, it was a fight. It was a wrestling match. It was not something that was pretty. It was not something that was clean. It was not something that was flattering for me. Mm-hmm. If, if you looked at my life for the year, year, and a few months after this whole like thing went and kind of all came up upon me, you would probably think that I'm just a mess. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. you'd probably would have looked at me and been like, man, this guy's, this yeah. guy's like fragile. This guy's just, I don't know. He, he might be losing it because I was, it was a fight. Yeah. I was constantly, that's why I was having to get away because quite frankly, I knew how much my struggling was on the outside as much as it was on the inside. Yeah. And so I didn't want to be around people. Yeah. I wanted to be alone during that time. And that's difficult because if you know me at all, I'm a people person. Like yeah. I, I, I thrive by being with people. So to have a season of solitude like that because of grief and because of just being overcome by circumstances, mm-hmm. that was a really big season of learning and growing in the most horrific <laughs> and yeah. painful way ever yeah. because you have to fight for hope. Hope isn't something that you get to just have and put on a postcard and put on a poster and then you just feel good about it. Yeah. You got to fight for it because the circumstances and the devil will try to steal it. Yeah. I have so much I want to say on that and I'll try to keep it short. But okay. um, when you think of this idea of like, I'm hoping for the future glory that God's going to come through and God's going to win and he's eventually going to make it through and he's going to make a way for me and all things are going to work together for good. It almost sounds um, naive and it sounds almost like you're not settled in reality. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because you're like, everything's going to work out. I promise. Like God's going to come through. Um, And it almost feels like, I think in the natural mind, it's almost like, man, you are not like, this hope thing is a crutch for you. You know, like Christianity is a crutch for you because you can't cope with the events that are happening in today's world. So you just focus on this outside, this hope, right? You know what I mean? Like this thing that'll eventually happen. And I feel like people see this as a crutch, like as a way of kind of being like, you can't cope. So you're doing this. But instead, I would say it takes a lot more courage to look at your world, to look at your circumstances, to look at maybe your family dynamic or your work dynamic or whatever, and to say, I believe there's so much more for this person, for this situation, for this circumstance, and that God is going to come through. So what I'm going to do is hold on to this promise that God has, even though it's against everything around me and against the natural current of culture and whatever, and I'm going to cling on to this Jesus Christ, this hope, this promise I feel like that, like you were saying, that's battle. 
That's war. That's not a weak person who's holding onto a crutch for strength. That's someone who is engaging in warfare every yeah. single day. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of people, they just, I feel like they're afraid to vocalize their hope in Christ because they think that it'll come across as a crutch or as a weakness. When in reality, that's your battle, that's your fight, and you're doing that every day. Hope is not a rare thing. I would argue that I, it's, I don't know how you measure this, but I would bet that everybody in the world has hope mm-hmm. right now. Where they have hope is going to determine how their hope looks and actually how effective their hope works for them. Mm-hmm. Because I think that everybody in this world is looking for and constantly, constantly grabbing at sources of hope. Unfortunately, some of the hope that you grab will be fake and some of it will be short-lived. Yeah. There's only one type of hope that is both forever and is as real as it gets. Because I looked for all those different things. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, before I became a Christian, this is why I became a Christian, was because I looked for hope in things that were real. Honestly, smoking weed was real hope for me. Yeah. It, I hoped that it would make me feel better about my circumstances, and it sure did. Yeah. It did. But guess what? It was short-lived. Mm-hmm. And then after it was done... I was stressed out about getting caught yeah. and um, and everything else and yeah. you know all this different stuff and then and then I was you know worried about how it would make me long term and all these different things would it make me lazy like they say and all these different things, I mean relationships there was a measure of what I hoped to get that I actually got from it I wanted to feel accepted yeah and and it worked until she broke up with me right or until you know something happened right yeah. well you name it whatever until those friendships decided they just wanted to drift away or you know we got into an argument or i don't know you name it whatever it looks like yeah. people are grasping at hope all over the place mm-hmm. the problem is is the things that they're grasping for hope in are either not real so so the, they'll grasp for something that they think is going to bring them hope and it actually doesn't actually rips them off more and yeah. it rips them off from the very beginning maybe right or they're grasping at something that has a semblance of being real, but it's short-lived. So when I found Jesus Christ in my life, I realized, like really found him, not just not just the, the surface level Christianity discovery. I mean, like when I really discovered Jesus Christ, I found something, I found someone, I found the purpose that I was made for that was fulfilling the hope that I was longing for in the most real way that I ever had experienced. And it never stopped failing me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it never stopped, it never stopped going and it never failed me rather is what I meant to say. Yeah. It never failed me. My right. goodness. Right. That was a, a slip. Okay. <laughs> it never failed me. It just, it kept on continuing to work <laughs> for me. <laughs> I just thought of it. Yeah, I know. I knew what you were meaning and I yes. just realized what you just said. That's funny. It, it, it never stopped working for me. And what I mean for, by that is I found out that it was effective hope that was never going to run out. And, and I've looked all over in every single thing that I think people grasp at hope for in this world. And, and I will tell you, Jesus is the only one, the only thing, the only source of hope that I have ever found that actually fulfills on the level that I need most. And it keeps on going no matter what comes, mm-hmm. no matter what goes, Jesus continues to remain faithful and true, and it's a lasting, everlasting hope. I love all that. Yep. Um, it does feel a little uh, 3,000 foot view or like ethereal, like concept. It wasn't how, for me. Right, right. Yeah. How 
do you hope in the glory of Jesus Christ on a Tuesday morning? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or in the work, in the grind of family, maybe you're having relational tension with your husband or wife, or maybe your kids aren't um, walking with Jesus anymore or whatever. Yeah. Like what is trusting in the hope of Jesus Christ? That he's not going to fail you look like within those circumstances. Well, I'll go back actually to the message that we talked through yesterday. Yeah. Number one, your hope has to be anchored deep enough because for me, I played church games for a long time. Actually, I got saved really when I was 17 years old, mm -hmm. but I was going to youth group and I, you know, stuff like that. I got saved on a mission trip for goodness sake. So I, I went on a mission trip. Right. It was a two week mission trip that I went on. Um, but I went just to get outside of my house and I don't know, be social and have yeah. some, an experience. And, and so I, I was, I was playing the games and I was engaged to in a level but I wasn't anchored deep enough. When I finally got to the depth that I needed to with Jesus, where everything else was gone and it wasn't posturing, it wasn't an extracurricular anymore. Man, you could talk about that a little bit about how it's possible for us to turn Jesus into an extracurricular. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, I, I I took all those things away, and it was really something where I let Him in deep enough, and I went deep enough to really discover who Jesus was and who He says that I am, and so. But what are like what are rhythms to so, so get into that? I, I'll get there. So I would say the first thing you need to do is you need if you have not had a moment of actually going deep enough in that place and actually discovering Jesus, then that's the first step. Like you need to actually be willing to let everything else strip away and get there. Secondly, I mentioned so I mentioned you know hope as an anchor only works if you go deep enough, and then secondly, it only works if you stay connected. And, and the connection point is something that has to be like you have to be kind of like intentional about. Right, because if we know anything in today's world where we are hyper connected through cell phones and digital stuff and and technology and all kinds of different stuff, connection is one of the easiest things to get and then lose really fast over and over again because connections get replaced so fast and so quickly. And so you have to be really intentional in your relationship with Jesus to stay connected through Jesus. And I think that happens for me. What happens is I try to spend some intentional time with Jesus every day. And it may not always look the same. Like this morning, I opened up Joshua 8 and I read through and I studied and then I read some commentaries and then I started listening to uh, a sermon online from, it was actually from like the 80s or something. I don't know, from 90s or 80s or something. It was an older one. Um, and then I, because it sent me on a rabbit trail and then I spent time, I had spent time in the car right here, just kind of praying. And then I continued praying afterwards too, and just kind of just talking through some of the things in my heart with the Lord and just kind of having a conversation with them. And it started a conversation that just keeps going throughout the day for me. Mm -hmm. um, it helps me stay connected. And so there's some intentional things I do, but it comes from a source of depth when I was willing to let everything else be stripped away and stop playing the games and posturing and really get down deep enough to connect with God and then be intentional, stay connected through Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. I am um, <clears throat> like, I know, I think I'm thinking even more like hands dirty, nitty gritty on the floor aspect of like, there are times when I've needed hope where I was feeling, or I couldn't see hope. And I didn't know where hope was going to come from. And I needed to rely on the hope of a friend. You know what I mean? Like I needed to rely on someone else speaking life into me because I didn't sure. have it myself. Um, or even like we talked about, um, you talked about a couple weeks ago, like the current diagnosis I'm working through with depression and stuff like that. And like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, for me, getting hope was finding help. 
you know, it was getting a diagnosis, uh, started taking some medication, let everyone know around me, this is what I'm dealing with, um, not to hide it, Hmm. not to feel like I have to do this alone, but to be like, hey, here's something I'm struggling with, and I believe that Jesus Christ is faithful, and I believe he will come through 100%, and I don't doubt his faithfulness. However, I was not at a place mentally where I could even receive it. And so I needed to ask for help from people around me, from doctors, from whatever, to help me find that hope. Because I do believe that Jesus Christ restores all things. Yeah. Sometimes it comes in a zap moment, and sometimes it comes through real practical rhythms or disciplines or whatever you want to call it um, in your life that eventually bring you there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I would encourage people if they are looking for that hope and they don't have any of themselves, you know what I mean? Maybe they, they hear, you just need to go deeper with Jesus. And they're like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that. I'm all by myself here. I would say, rely on the hope of a friend. You know what I mean? Like, like if someone who is able to see the finish line in that circumstance or someone who has been, who has ran that race, whether it's marital yeah. strain or family or whatever, like, talk to them and they can almost lend hope to you. They can help you see like, Oh, here's, here's a finish line. I can do that. I can do X, Y, Z every single day, even if it's really simple, like baby steps, but I can do that. And that will help me kind of clear the fog a little bit and the promises of God. I hear what you're saying. And I think it's good. Um, I would say, I don't know if people can, you can't get hope from people. At least I hope that you're going to need that's going to last forever because I have found in my life that people let me down. Right. <laughs> it's just a natural clause of it. But what it, they can do, what what you can do when you kind of, and this is why we do life together. And this is why it's so important to kind of grow with one another is, is when you have a situation like that where you're like, how do I, you know, you know, go deep with Jesus or how do I stay connected or, you know, how do I navigate through my circumstance right now is people more than lending you their hope. They can lend you perspective Mm -hmm. and the perspective can lead you to the hope of Christ. Right. Like I would, um, we've talked about the example of Moses and Joshua and, um, Aaron and how they held up his hands. Right. Um, Moses, what is it? Who are they? Um, Joshua and, and Caleb? Her. 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 Whatever. Yeah. Her? Um, yeah, Joshua was by fighting the battle. Yeah. So um, Moses could believe all day long that Israel was going to win. He could have had that hope in it because God is going to come through. He needed the support of his friends, his people to hold his hands up, which allowed the thing to happen. Right. That's what I mean by borrowing hope. Yeah. It's relying on other people's strength. If that strength is giving you perspective, then that's what it is. Absolutely. Um, I would, the main contending in everything I just said is you're not alone. Yeah. Don't think that you have to do it alone. And don't think you're going through a situation alone. A lot of the times it's people who are going to give you perspective. They're going to give you help. They're going to support you. They're going to raise your hands up while you're fighting that battle. Um, and they will help you see that all along it was Christ bringing you through. Maybe there's Absolutely. a maybe there's a scarlet thread within every hard thing that's happening. It's God pointing you to him and beckoning you in. Yeah. Um, as C.S. Lewis says, pain is the megaphone it to is. arouse a deaf and dying world. Yep. Um, and so a lot of times though, when you're in the middle of the pain, that's all you see. You just see red. You don't see anything else. And so when someone's able to be like, hey, just grab my hand, grab my hand, come with me. Like, let me show you that there is a thread, there's a purpose, there's a process. Um, I feel like, a lot of the times you hear this example of like, just stay connected to Jesus. And it's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that. 
Um, and so having those people around you, whether it's a life group, whether it's um, a, just a group of friends who know what's going on, like, yeah. like have people who know your stuff, who you know your with. junk. Yeah. Who know like your bad days, who know when you're going through something. I can help you with that. And they don't only see this like veneer, this facade with the warning of don't put your trust in people yeah, um, or don't replace your trust in Jesus with your trust in people, mm-hmm. which I think can be a danger. Yeah. And, those and, people need to be pointing you a different direction. They can't be pointing them absolutely. at them. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Yeah. And so as long as it's, you know, absolutely. If we can, if we can, you know, we're stronger together, we're better together. Right. Um, you know, unity is a huge message throughout all of the new Testament. And the reason why is because that's the design of the body of Christ to be working together and also encouraging one another with you who are strong, bear with the scruples of those who are not. Mm -hmm. And so continue to just kind of lift up one another, comfort one another, you know, give to one another, esteem one another. There's a lot of one another's. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Hope is always, uh, um, directed towards someone or something. The idea is that uh-huh. we need to make sure that it's directed at Christ Absolutely, and the promises yeah. of him. Um, because it's way too easy to put our hope in the next, whatever pop psychology or whatever. Yeah. Anything, anything. Yeah. And that's the whole point. I think that we are, we can be tempted to put our hope in a lot of different things that sound really good, but ultimately fail us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that this is where even things like church hurt, and I know we're kind of nearing on time right now, but mm. so I don't want to get into a long conversation about church hurt, but, but the root and usually oftentimes the cause of church hurt is that people were like, I thought you were supposed to be there for me all the time. Mm-hmm. And so then when all of a sudden they're humans that are hurting and dealing with stuff too, they aren't, then sometimes it can be kind of like, see, Jesus is a joke. Mm-hmm. But the point isn't that people are going to be the source of hope for you, but people are also journeying with you and journeying alongside with you as we are all headed towards Jesus together. And there's a beautiful picture of that, of this idea that we're all moving towards Jesus together. And there's some of us that are getting tired and we need some help being, being kind of like encouraged along. There's some of us that have fallen down Mm -hmm. and are injured and we need to actually rally around those people and actually help get them closer to Jesus too. Right. And continue to bear with those and esteem others as better than yourselves, mm-hmm. you know, to really actually, that's what the humility is, is it's not this, this guy who runs up ahead and he's like, I've made it to Jesus before any of y'all. Right. No, it's a person who also decided I'm going to bear with you and I'm going to mm-hmm. walk with you. and I'm going to journey with you. And yeah. let's, let's, let's take the next step together. There's a gentleness, there's a beauty in that. Mm-hmm. Well, what's happening every single day on social media that we're doing during this happening? Absolutely. Season? Well, every day we are going to be doing a daily devotion as right. pertains to the topic of Advent that we are on for that particular week. This week it's hope. And so you're going to get to hear from different people on you did, staff. You did it technically yesterday. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's, it's on there right now. For if you're, um, if you want to join in on our Facebook and Instagram, then you'll see a, a short little daily devotion. Um, right now it's from me. And then tomorrow I think it's Brandon. Mm-hmm. And I think you're on there this yeah, week. And yeah. there's, there's, you know, there's a bunch of different staff members that are just sharing a simple thought, a scripture, something to, again, help you stay connected in an intentional way by being with Jesus and pointing you to Jesus and saying, go look to him. Mm-hmm. He's the source of all hope and comfort. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, well, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Well, this has been a great episode of Digging Deeper and we can't wait to do it again next yeah. time. I hope maybe some of your thoughts or your ideas were challenged and, yeah. and you have something to think about. And if you want to talk to us about it, just email us or reach out to us. We'd love to hear it. Word. See you next week. See ya. <laughs>